Well, thank you all so much. Um, we are discussing faithfulness, not goodness, as my original email said. Sorry about that confusion. Um, but goodness was last week. And so now we are on faithfulness. Um, so kind of our first question is just introduce yourself. How long have you been a member here at OC? And any other relevant fun facts about yourself you would like to share? John has to start. <laughs> I've been here since 2009. Came with my wife, Jean, in 2009. <clears throat> she passed in 2019. Uh, we had been at a small congregation in Goodlitzville for 20 years where I led singing. I guess that's all the fun facts you need to know about me. <laughs> and we used to go to church together Blake long and I ago. Have, Blake and I have been friends. His his mom and dad and my and Jean, my wife, worked for his dad mm-hmm. in the early eighties. And so we've been you know, I've known Blake since he was Working for my dad meant maybe bouncing children on your knee yes, and no working support. in our house yes, and he, Richard had his <laughs> office in his in his house, in their house. And so Gene would go to work there. And he had Emily and then along came this one and then Grant. Grant was the one usually that Gene ended up bouncing Probably on so, her. Yes. The on her lap. He would bang on her keyboard and <laughs> they had computers back in the day. Yeah. My name's Blake Farmer and I am um, I have been at Otter Creek since we, my wife and I got married. She interned here when we were in college, oh. and uh, she's from Fort Worth, but uh, and I'm from here. But she really liked it, and she I think she she liked it because even though we were moving here, like Otter Creek was sort of like her place, mm-hmm. and so uh, anyway, that's where we have been and have found no reason to leave. I mean, we have reasons to leave and decided to stay, so. The reasons to stay just, you know, outweigh those other reasons. It's not really that. It's like, it'd be a real pain in the butt to leave, so. (laughs) Uh, I'm Dixie Livingston, and Eric and I came here in 2013, so we're almost 90 years this summer. And, fun facts, we have three kids. One Do we look old? Sort of fun. I know. They are old. They, uh, 21 <laughs> and almost 18 and 16. One of whom is a professional already. One of them, one of them is a professional game gamer. Right. Mm-hmm. Getting us salary and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the other one, Isaac, is now a professional data analyst. He nice. Was, you know, recently hired. Wait, what do you mean gamer? What do you say? <laughs> he is. Because um, when you said that, I thought I was thinking of the data analyst thing, and now you're saying no. No, Ethan uh-huh. is a professional gamer for Tribe Gaming, which is the biggest mobile esports company in the country. Like video gaming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does it mean that he does? Competes or he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's on a team. Yeah, he's on a team and has a jersey with his name on it and everything. Really? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Hello. Yay. Hello. It was a small visitor. <laughs> we need visitors. He says he'll be quiet. No. We'll see. We can expand the circle. 
Um, so the next question, our kind of icebreaker question, is do you have a specific memory of a fruit um, that you just ate and it was transcendent? So as I have mentioned many times, um, but there's some new people, so I get to, you know, mention this story again. When I was in Jamaica, probably 2012, um, we had this mango cut fresh off the tree in, the, in June, peak mango season. And I mean, I've been chasing that high the rest of my life. Like, I've never had a mango that was that good. So do you have any memories, you know, associated with literal fruits, not fruits of the Spirit? I don't know if we have to go in the same order, but the, what comes to me, I consider that, I've, well, I'm, I've been informed that the tomato is a fruit. Is. <laughs> and um, I'm very high on Cherokee purple tomatoes. And... You know, I'll eat several in one sitting with cottage cheese and pepper. And when they're, I kind of like them to still be warm from the sun when I eat them. And man, they just, it's like I'll close my eyes because it's that good that it mm -hmm. just, and I need to get juice all over my face. Peaches are in there, but somewhere, but. Well, peaches are my favorite. But I have a question for you. Okay. How do you know when a mango is ripe? I have never had mango. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I would say if it's at well, a you're super. You're as much help as the person that... at the. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's a super. If it's a supermarket in Tennessee, it's probably not ripe. It's just what I'm going to say is. I bought one, but it's still hard, and I didn't know. You, that... you probably need to go down to the Caribbean to like. Yeah. Ooh, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> But peaches and I'm like black tomatoes are are up there. Mm -hmm. uh, fresh peaches, not frozen peaches, not not even peaches that you buy that are fresh that you put in the freezer. After, you know, mm -hmm. it, they need to be fresh. Um, I think for me, I remember when Isaac was small, we went um, and picked strawberries at a strawberry picking place. And um, you could just eat them right off of them. Mm -hmm. And they were warm and just red all the way through. It was so good. He ate like all of them so fast before because they don't eat the tops. <laughs> and like he just was eating, eating, you know, all down his face. But I just remember how, how perfect a warm strawberry that's got no white in it. Mm -hmm. it super good. Well, I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> So let's start our conversation with Scripture. Um, are there any specific passages, teachings, parables about faithfulness that especially resonate with you, that when you think of this fruit of the Spirit, um, you really relate to? Well, I... <laughs> um, faithfulness is probably my favorite attribute of God. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there's lots of reasons for it, but in, um, this is one of the things I love, one of the things I think of the most. Deuteronomy 7, I'm not getting my reading glasses out, I'm just not doing it. Okay. <laughs> Can I hold that for you? <laughs> not too far, there's just a sweet spot. Okay. Uh, the Lord did not, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people. For you were the fewest of the people, but it was because the Lord loved you 
and kept his oath, he swore to your forefathers that he that he brought you out of with his mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who have loved him and keep his commands. And um, to me, faithfulness is kind of like the glue of love. Like, um, I'm not sure that it's love if it's, you know, fleeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like how faithfulness, the, the faithfulness character of God is on display in the Bible from the beginning to the end of it, um, and that he's trustworthy. None, none of it is because the Hebrew people were so numerous or so mighty, and, but he chose them because they were small. And, and his keeping of the oath, his keeping of his covenant and promises, his faithfulness is the thing that mm-hmm. sustains. Yeah. He never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. Mm-hmm. He's always faithful through it all. Even when we don't think so, he is. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, my, I kind of took faithfulness in a different direction, Ted. Awesome. That's why we have three panelists. <laughs> well... And it's, it's mostly because I, I think w- growing up or even maybe not that long ago, I really thought of faithfulness as, you know, like Sarah waiting on a child, you know, and being faithful that that would happen. And I just like find that t- almost just like a, a senseless exercise, almost like what will be will be, you know. Uh, I'm not saying it's the right way to think. I'm just saying like, I, you know, it. It doesn't make, it, I, I just don't find a lot of value in, in being, saying something's going to happen when you have no idea, and it might not. Maybe I just don't want to, you know, be disappointed. So um, the thing that I've thought about story-wise are sort of stories where people are faithful to others, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a way you can practice faithfulness, let's say in my case where I'm like, I'm not so sure there's a point in me asking or expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I w- was thinking of stories even like, you know, the women coming to the tomb to k- take care of Jesus' body. You know, which doesn't seem like a faithful act. And then to me it's like they were, you know, they wanted to take care of the needs of this person that they loved. Mm-hmm. And there, there's, there's a, I mean, you could name a dozen stories like that um, in the New Testament. But... Um, you know, I, I find, you know, sort of like, if this isn't working, like, faithfulness to others can kind of uh, lead you there, maybe. You know, that like you can sort of be, I mean, frankly, y- you may even be the answer to the faithfulness that they're uh, seeking from, from on high. So, that's my thought. Awesome. Um, so, fruit trees take a long time to grow. Right, we we planted um, some persimmon, a persimmon tree, and a pawpaw tree um, a couple weekends ago, and we probably won't see them. We'll probably sell the house before we actually <laughs> see their fruit. But someone else will enjoy them, right? So uh, in the same way uh, with the fruits of the spirit, right? It's um, do you have any stories from your past, maybe of your family or your community, 
of people who, you know, kind of planted faithfulness for future generations. And you can see how their, their act of faithfulness has continued to impact people throughout the years. I'll start since I went last. Um, well, I'll, I'll steal John's because this is not something he would say about himself. And I've seen it in many people. But um, so, as probably some of you know, his wife, Jean, who, who died in 2019, um, you know, I mean, <clears throat> you know, the long goodbye with dementia and Alzheimer's is horrible. Um, and John knows that better than any of us here. And, um, you know, to me, like, being able to find the, the goodness the humor, the like, you know, humanity. I mean, it feels weird to say humanity when you're talking about your wife, but like, you know, John told me a story because I interviewed him actually for a story. Uh, but, <laughs> which I feel bad about, Don. I'm sorry. You feel bad about uh, sort of. the interview? I, no, no, it was great. I, you know, anyway, he was, he, <laughs> Gene. I feel like I'm stealing your story now. I hope you weren't telling this. She she looked at him someday and goes, "Oh, you're, something like you're a cute thing," and like she didn't know him, and and was coming on to him, which I found so funny, and we both laughed to, till we cried when he told me this story. And you know, to me, just like someone who, not not like. I can slog through this with someone else, but like is faithful to the point of like I can find joy mm -hmm. in being faithful when you don't even know who I am, you might even be mad at me sometimes because you because that's how it works. Um, I, I just find that you know anybody who's taking care of a spouse near the end, but but especially with when you're talking dementia, I just find that mm -hmm. it's the, an example that you know we will. You know, not everybody gets to know that story or all the yeah. stories, but uh, they'll come out in time. We were expanding on his story. We were standing in the kitchen one day, and I leaned over and I kissed her, and she said, right. "She said, I said, is that okay?" I said, "She said, are you married?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, do you think we should tell? She said, should I tell mom? She said, we just won't tell. <laughs> we'll just let that, let that slide. Had an affair with your own wife. <laughs> yeah. But she was, she was easy to be faithful to because she, she was not a typical Alzheimer's patient. She was here. I had her. I brought her to church every week until four or five weeks, probably before she passed. You picked out what she was going to wear. Mm -hmm. yes, she was I still picked, giving me back scratches in class. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she would give back scratches and she would give hugs. The main thing about her that if somebody asked somebody asked me the other day what did I want them to know about her, and I said, if you don't know anything else. 
she had the most infectious smile of anybody. That she always had a smile even to the almost the end. But, uh, she just was that. She was that way. Uh, but prior to that, we had a friend at the church where we were attending who's. He was in his 60s probably at the time that we got to know him. He had a, his wife had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And uh, he had taken care of his mother-in-law for 18 years with Alzheimer's before that. He had been her caregiver. And then Alma had Alzheimer's, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So, but he continued to care for her, and he kept her at home, which was my desire when Jean was diagnosed, and God granted that he was faithful to me to let me keep her there. Uh, but I had that example early on, in, well, even before Jean was diagnosed, because she was diagnosed 11 years before she passed. And I never had another thought about what to do with it. I mean, you know, when you when you when you stand up before the preacher and he says, "Do you are you going to be faithful to her?" and you say, "Yes," you don't know what that means. It's going to be, I'll be faithful to her to her till somebody else grabs my attention or you know whatever. But. I never had a question about that. That was always ingrained in me that, mm -hmm. that and we were nearly 50 years. We lacked two months of being married 50 years. And she was just, but being faithful is one of those things that God expects of us. And you should expect it of yourself. So if you're wanting to be a true child of God, Mm -hmm. I read this the other day. I found this the other day and thought it was kind of interesting. And it has nothing to do with marriage particularly, but it says faithfulness to Jesus means that I must stop, that I must step out even when and where I can't see anything. Because it comes with faith. That's uh, in Matthew 14.9. But faithfulness to my own ideas means that I first clear the way mentally. Faith, however, is not intellectual understanding. Faith is a deliberate commitment to the person of Jesus even when I can't see the way ahead. Yeah. So, you know, faith is something we don't see. Yeah. But yeah. hang on to it. Mm -hmm. As I said, well, go, God is faithful in all that He promises, and we just yeah. have to claim that promise. Go, that reminds me, going back to Scripture, one passage that really stands out to me is Jesus walking on water, right? And Peter goes out and tries to walk with Him, and then ends up sinking, and Jesus saves him. 
and Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. And, you know, growing up, I always heard that. I was like, oh, Peter didn't have enough faith in Jesus. But kind of the way I understand that story now is like, no, Jesus was walking. Like, Peter had no doubt. Peter had, didn't have faith that he could be like Jesus and that he could do what Jesus was doing. And that's kind of where that, um, that's what Jesus was challenging him with, is you can do this too if you have faith in yourself. So I think, you know, having faith in your own walk, in your own faith, um, is also important. Um, my story about family um, seeds of faith in the future would be, um, a lot of you know my dad, um, Sam. He was raised in a children's home, not because his parents weren't able to take care of him, but because his parents were the house parents. Um, he was born out in West Texas, and my papa had a good job with Shell. And my dad is the youngest of four children, and so when he was six, and his brother is the oldest, he was 13, and there was two sisters between them. So four kids in six years, six and a half years. Um, they got, um, there was a children's home down in the valley, like almost to Mexico. And they sent like a newsletter to everywhere in the state and it was called the Sunny Glen Reporter. And it came and there was a picture on the front of these boys and they needed house parents. And my meemaw said, these boys need a mom. Mm-hmm. And my papa had already been thinking that, you know, he's making a good life, but it doesn't matter to anyone but his own family. And so those thoughts kind of collided, and so he gave up a good job with a pension, and then they went to Valley and um, moved into this cottage with 16 boys. And the, well, 16 boys, 18 children. Um, so, and the oldest was my uncle at 13, and the youngest was my dad at six. And so there were all these kids in between. And so there's, you know, Christian child care, there's no pension. My meemaw didn't get a paycheck, you know, they, they anyway. Um, but they have raised hundreds of children over the, I mean, I was a, as their granddaughter would come to the children's home to visit my grandparents. Um, at some point they were the superintendents at a different, in, in like central Texas, but, um, there are stories of a guy who I knew, he's maybe seven or 10 years older than me. Sometimes these kids would go back to live with their own families, but sometimes they didn't. They would graduate and go on to you know, work or college. But he, he was applying for his first job, and I think he was still underage, and he had to put his parents, his, his dad's name. And for whatever reason, he asked my papa, and he said, sure, you can put my name. And so then we would call him Uncle Pete because he was like, you know, he's mm-hmm. been claimed now. But um, that is an example of faithfulness yeah. to the call of the needs of other people, mm-hmm. obedience, I guess, um, to see to their needs and raise these kids who needed people. And I think that's why my dad tends to be sort of loud in general, uh, just because he was the littlest in this house full of other people. 
Now he's forgiven, okay? <laughs> Um, but that carried through to them. Now, they didn't, my parents were not in child care, but my dad was an active duty uh, Air Force. And so we moved every three, three and a half years my whole life. But their commitment to be a part of a local church um, has turned out to be, you know, me and my wisdom now, just such a gift. Because I would bemoan the fact that I don't have any real roots. I don't have a house that I grew up in. I don't have people who've known me since I was small. I don't, I don't have that, and I would be real jealous of my cousins that did. But once we moved here, I think it was the first year we were here, maybe 2014, the, the Zoe conference. Um, it was like this collision of people from my past, people I went to camp with in Nebraska, people I went to church with in North Dakota from times in my past, were here at this at the conference and I just began to see that even though they couldn't give me a, a place like a, a place by planting me in a congregation all over the world like I am among my people every time I'm in the church and um, and there are people who have known me from my childhood um, I mean, the Portels knew us when we were just newly married in San Antonio. And that is, um, that is an example of their faithfulness, mm -hmm. their commitment to being a part of the local church um, as a gift to me. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm going to ask a question and then dip out and let David take over because i got to do it. Got to go do sound check. Um, but as we know, living here in Nashville, um, it's not always growing season, especially in the spring where it gets hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold, and your flowers bloom and then freeze and then bloom and then freeze. Um, you know, just like, make up your mind. Um, but yeah, so like the process of growing fruit is this period of death and rebirth, right? You know, God's created the seasons. And every year, the trees know what to do. They store up energy for the long, cold winters and then can create fruit. Um, so in the same way, how have these hard times, right, these periods of trials and traumas, shaped how you've understood faithfulness um, in your own life? Um, when Eric was in the Air Force, we lived in Georgia. That's where both of our boys were born. And... Um, when Isaac was a baby, he was on this crazy schedule where he would be on six days, off three, and then on six nights, and then off three. And so one of those days was always spent either getting back onto the new sleep schedule or going, getting to the new sleep schedule. And so I was always, always home with our kids. I didn't work until Isaac was in middle school, but... Um, it was really hard because he needed a regular sleep schedule. Babies need to go to sleep at a regular time. And so um, it was really hard for, it was hard for him, I'm certain. But it was hard for me when it would be day and, you know, all the things that go with having it. And he's sleeping. Well, obviously he needs to sleep. But it, I felt it's hard when someone's sleeping and you're, like, losing your mind. <laughs> Um, and so we were, I don't know, a ways into this, and the thought occurred to me, people would split up over this. 
because this is really hard. But it had never dawned on me that I couldn't still, like it had never occurred to me, well, this, this, clearly this is too hard. Um, and, I, and I thought, these are, this is one of the, like this is a trial that some people wouldn't make it through. Um, so I think, I mean, you know, everything is really good and great. And it's only a season. I think that's a perspective that you, when you're in the midst of the hard thing, it's hard to remember this is a, this isn't what the whole, your whole life is gonna, not going to be about this. But um, anyway, I think that's my one thing I can tell about. Trials or hardships. Your turn. <laughs> I couldn't hone in on anything on that question. It just didn't. Because our, well, especially the last 8 to 11 years of our life was pretty much existing and getting through the day and taking care of Jean. And, but she was she was easy to take care of, so <coughs> you, Blake, Blake and I in some ways kind of ran the same thing too because yeah. his mom had ALS yeah. and, and passed away close to one another, right? A week apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, the thing that, um, I don't know if this answers this question exactly, but as I was kind of dwelling on faithfulness, um, so, I mean, like, the the sort of, uh, I don't know if I'll look back on my life and think this period was all that important, but I've had several years where we lost a lot of people, my uh, my mother. Um, and then, uh, oddly, even though we were not best friends or something, there's a guy named Wayne Reed who, who obviously many of you know, who uh, went here and we kind of struck up this strange friendship because um, I would swim with him, which I first thought that, Somebody said, Wayne needs someone to swim with him, which I thought meant just like you go be a lifeguard at his house and he swims. Like, no, you need to drag him around the pool while he kicks to keep his legs stronger. Anyway, and then he wanted to do it the next week and the next week and the next week. I'm like, are we going to take a week off? Or, um, and uh, anyway, but it was so lovely because, you know, I got to talk to him about, uh, he had ALS. Um, and so, uh, you know, almost being forced into being faithful to this small little duty, you know, kind of uh, pay, paid off, you know, to say paid off makes it sound economic. It's just like, it's, uh, you know, it just uh, was kind of just the thing that I needed in, you know, preparation for losing mom. Anyway, they ended up dying about a year apart or so. But, um, and then um, our friend Justin died uh, at our house and, uh, you know, as I've been thinking of this, he, you know, he, so for those who don't know, um, Justin Lipscomb, who we're good friends with, um, he uh, uh, had a massive heart failure at uh, my house. He came over to help me, you know, demolish my kitchen, which I was, it's like you need somebody to help because I told the contractor I would have this thing demoed before he starts on Monday, and yet... Thanksgiving weekend, and so Justin's the guy, you know, who, it's like, hey, nobody wants to do this, but will you come 
help me bash all this stuff together. Anyway, and of course, uh, you know, the rest is history now. And I, as I was thinking about it faithful-wise, it's like, you know, in the same way, like praying for some miracle on the way to the hospital that he's alive, it's like, that doesn't even see, it's like, I, it doesn't even feel like a, a prayer worth praying. Um, but what it's given me is like this opportunity to be faithful to his family. Uh, I mean, this afternoon, the kids will be with me all afternoon, and I, I love them like my own children. Uh, so I guess it's what I mean with the, I mean, that situation is the perfect example for the, um, praying for a miracle that he was alone, would live through this. I almost, you know, I just didn't even have the heart to pray. Uh, but the faithfulness that, it's almost like forces me into this position where I, I uh, get to kind of learn what being faithful to a friend is. So, I'm done. Thank you, Brad. What is what do you think is something that um, Christians today or even the world misunderstands about faithfulness? Um, you know, one of the things this this word has always meant a lot to me because I have a treasured document of my grandmother who had a fourth grade education, went through the Bible, and went all the times that God promised something, and then matches his up with all the times that He was faithful in that promise. And um, and so I, I I see where we forget sometimes that faithfulness is the long haul. Like it's not an immediate see. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about this a little bit last week with goodness. Uh, Mike Cagle had a song. Um, I think it was all the all your goodness are mercies. Is that the title? Blessings. 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 Yeah. And um, I was talking with my wife here, who you know, we lost our brother-in-law, or her brother, my brother-in-law. And I'm like, how do you how do you balance that goodness or that blessing as a mercy? And she was like, it was a mercy for him. Um, he was struggling with cancer, and it was it was that mercy for him. Um, so, in in kind of similar way of how I was. Twisting or not understanding how that can be a mercy. How do we, how do we misunderstand what faithfulness is? Sometimes people think it's supposed to be easy. <clears throat> and it's just, and I think it's not because of the time factor. Like, you know, we promise to be faithful, and we don't think about sixty years or how long it is and how much happens, can happen in that amount of time. But I just can't, like, God is faithful. And I can be faithful in obedience. Like, I, I don't know that we can be faithful without like, acting in obedience. Um, and sometimes you don't really know that's what you're doing, I think. It's just like, it, it becomes, I know I'm supposed to do this, I know I'm supposed to do this, I know I'm supposed to do this, and then you're like, and that's called being faithful. <laughs> like, um, 
sometimes that's all, what is the, not the fake it till you make it kind of thing, but sort of like it's a habit, it's a practice, and sometimes it's hard, but the benefit of it is always the reward. And like if I think about our marriage and being married to Eric, I'm 100. I'm playing to be exactly 100. <laughs> but, but, that, but just that that is a benefit to the two of us. But the way that our marriage touches lots of other people um, is also a benefit or a result of long faithfulness to, to one another. It has a ripple effects. So being easy, I think, is sometimes to be easy. And in terms of church, like just like in any other relationship, it doesn't always look the same, it doesn't always feel the same, but when you're committed to a group of people, then you know the highs and lows and the strangeness of it, you just stick with them because you're committed to them. It's not like, oh, I don't like that anymore, and I'm going to go find another group. Like, that's not, that's not, that's, I guess, being faithful to God and your commitment to follow Jesus, but there's also something to be saying, said for sticking with it. When Gene was first diagnosed, one of our, one of our prayers was that, of course, we would accept it, and we never, we never questioned her diagnosis. We knew that that's what it was, and so we knew that. But we prayed that the way that we walked through that diagnosis and through that illness would bring glory to God. We wanted to to use it to his glory, not not to us. We just wanted it to we wanted to live lives that faithful lives that showed it to others. Engage mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, I would just say that the um the misconception might be that's, I mean, listen, we're all learning, nobody here knows uh, everything about faithfulness, but like, I think you get an idea that maybe it's like transactional, and that you, you if you are faithful, then, then your heart's desire will be all yours, and it's like, I mean, even though there are some like clear stories about that in like the Old Testament, I still kind of shake my head at them, they like, don't even... I don't even know that that's really how it works. And yet when you hear, I mean, it's always much more complicated than that. The timeline is probably very different and probably the, the benefit is not what you were expecting or something, you know. So, uh, which isn't a great pitch for being faithful, but it's, um, you know, it, I, I just think it's sort of like, you're kind of like, I will be faithful to this it doesn't even sound like fun. I'm not sure why, and I guess I'll just strap in, you know. Um, and, and yet, the, 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 like, I'm, I'm certain that your, your faithfulness to Gene, which in your mind was not even complicated, you know. I mean, it's not like every morning, I must continue to be faithful. It's just like, it is ingrained. It is who, what is going to happen. And then there are these fruits that come from it that you didn't you, you, you don't know about for one and also others that you just never expect you know? 
I have been I have been blown away. And this is by the people who have mentioned to me what my, my expression with her meant to them. It just and it wasn't anything that I did for show, it was just my love for her and my commitment to her and my commitment to, to the Lord to take care of her because he had entrusted her to me 50 years ago. You know, I asked, before I ever asked her for a date, I asked the Lord to get that, whoever I asked out on this particular night to be somebody that would be uh, special to me the rest of my life. Really? Yes. And he answered that question. I mean, he answered that prayer. And you, know, you, you look back on it and you think, he really did answer that. And it's just been something, something that I continue to look back on and thank him for loving me enough to Show me through that and help me get through everything that we went through. And I'm like Dixie, we lived every three, three and a half years, the first 20 years of our marriage. And she could have said, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> Had all this we can take. But we survived that, raised three children. But he's He's just been, I mean, we think of us being faithful to Him. But how faithful is He to us? I mean, all the time. Every day. Every day. Showing us that He's there. And taking care of us and answering our prayers. And sometimes being faithful by not answering our prayers. Now that wasn't what we were going to talk about. <laughs> well, I, but, but he is. But you're right. Blake exactly. brought it up because exactly. I, I think of of David and his his child, where you know he is praying to God for this child to live, and praying and you know lying prostrate and in you know just saying please God please, and when the baby dies he just cleans himself up, and it is. It is something that I have never understood because I don't think I could so quickly accept God not answering the way I want Him to answer. Because I am like I just I wrestle with Him all the time. Of why are you why are you not answering our, our prayers for this? Why are you not you know? And and it's, it's easy to read it in a paragraph and think that's exactly what happened, you know. Maybe David did struggle more, but I think there are times where we are left, and we will only know in hindsight how he was faithful in this situation. Absolutely. And we're glad that he didn't answer yeah. the way we wanted him to answer. You have to lower your expectations, okay? Get you get. So I'm my friend. Philosophizing all the time. Now I'm yeah. writing a book. It's called The Secret to Mediocrity, and this is part of it. So. <laughs> well, because of your eulogy for Justin, I have 
done a little bit more reading on Stoicism, and it, I, I wrestled with. I said something about Stoicism. Yes, because you talked about how Joe was, uh, Justin was sending you quotes about Stoicism, and um, and so I have, you know, I have started reading a little bit, and it, it's interesting from a, from that attitude of like, you know, it's all about how you know you choose how you respond. Which is what my mom told me all the time of, you're the only person that can make you upset. Right. Which was so annoying, because I know that's not true. Um, yes, you're making me upset. Um, but, I, I think that there is, there is things we can learn about having lower expectations, and trusting that God is going to be faithful. So, how are you? Any final thoughts before we close up? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for those who are in this room tonight, today. God, I pray for the people who have gone before us who were faithful examples for us. And I pray for the families of those who are still mourning the loss of those people, the gap that is in our lives that we feel ever-present. God, I pray that you will be with us the rest of this week as we continue to look forward to Easter and the reminder of uh, that death is not the, the final word. Yes. Thank you for your son who died on the cross for our sins. And this is an example for us all to live in the light. In your holy, blessed name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.